Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. That's right, that's right. It is another edition here of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Moriello and I'm your host bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. We hope everyone out there listening to this is doing their part, staying safe, staying healthy hopefully, staying indoors if you can as we continue to, to fight this coronavirus and we hope that this podcast for those who need it can be a little bit of a distraction from the real world as we call it for however long you listen to we've got a really fun interview coming up with st john's athletic director mike craig we'll talk to him a little bit about you know what happened at the Big East tournament a couple weeks ago with the coronavirus we'll talk about how he's been dealing with it we'll of course talk about the men's basketball program mike anderson's first season what mr craig thought about that and we'll also talk a little bit about improvements for next season uh, in the Red Storm, you know, in terms of facilities, in terms of scheduling. You know, I know the uh, games between Madison Square Garden and Karnasek Arena is a hot topic. So we'll talk to Mr. Craig about that coming up. And then on the other end of the interview, we have some news coming out this week. You know, LJ Figueroa, St. John's lands a commitment, a couple players transfer a couple weeks ago. So a uh, packed show for you here today. Hope you guys enjoy, and uh, let's get right into the interview with St. John's Athletic Director, Mike Craig. All right, I'm now joined by a very, very special guest. It is Mike Craig, St. John's Athletic Director. Mike, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Troy. It's good to hear your voice, and uh, it's a little unusual. I'm used to doing all these video conferences now, so just hearing a voice and not seeing a face, um, now you can turn your podcast into a video podcast someday. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to we'll have to get the uh, the Zoom meeting up going uh, like everyone's been doing recently. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Mike, let's start with that. I mean, how how have you and and your family been been holding up under these kind of you know very strange times that we're living in and circumstances. Yeah. How, how have you been doing with well, that? I appreciate you checking. We are doing great. We are uh, bunkered in here in Queens and um, you know, doing all, following all the stay-at-home stuff. And uh, I guess we're on day 22 here being Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we're, we're healthy and safe and taking all those precautions that hopefully all of our fans and area are doing and that's the most important thing right now is the health of everybody and that's definitely our number one priority um, here professionally and personally with our own family and I hope you're doing the same and and being safe and healthy as well. Mm -hmm, Absolutely I appreciate that and you know this all sounds kind of you know so I don't don't want to say meaningless but when you look at what's going on in the world today you know the stuff that we're going to talk about doesn't seem like it it really has a whole lot of value but I mean let's let's go back if you don't mind a few weeks ago to the Big East tournament you know it wasn't even 24 hours really at the Big East tournament but I think it's a moment I was there Wednesday night it's a moment Wednesday night and Thursday afternoon that no one's going to forget can you just describe for me how, how, how crazy that was to really be someone who was in the forefront of really two days that I think none of us are ever going to forget. 
Yeah, uh, well, definitely, you know, the way I look at it as sports and entertainment, but in our case, sports, we're definitely hit slapped in the face immediately mm-hmm. with a you know, complete shutdown and all of that unknown. And so you're right, the results and, and all that stuff seem pretty meaningless right now. Um, obviously, we were playing our best basketball at the end of the year mm-hmm. on that Wednesday and, and Thursday afternoon. Um, but, um, yeah, it was definitely surreal is the word I could use, you know, that morning, our athletic directors and presidents of the Big East were all in a meeting together and actually had the NCAA on video conference during it. And we really had no idea that all of the cancellations were imminent. Mm -hmm. Obviously we had talked about scenarios all throughout the week, Mm -hmm. um, on a lot of conference calls and just and following New York City on public health and, and working close with them and our commissioner Val Ackerman and her team were tremendous throughout and, and continue to be uh, really true leaders and um, and so following their lead you know obviously it was a fast moving situation in the garden having changed from uh, fans to no fans mm-hmm. to then canceled at halftime and so, um, you know, it's, it's, it all seems like a long time ago as well. I mean, yeah. it was only three weeks and a day mm-hmm. uh, here on this Saturday morning, but um, it feels like a lifetime ago. And, um, but, you know, I'm proud of, like I said, of the Big East, but all of, also our coaches and, and players, you know, I, I, I went and told Coach Anderson as it was unfolding and we're playing um, in the game against Creighton mm-hmm. that, um, came and off the court at halftime to tell him what was going on and you know obviously he immediately turned into um you know shifting gears quickly and telling our players who were excited and inter- you know and, and feeling great yeah. you know and, and obviously their first reaction was of disappointment mm-hmm. and like you know like surreal like what is going on because mm-hmm. they were very focused and um but then immediately turned into caring for each other and you know they were proud of the way they played but also then immediately concerned with the safety and health for their family and others and um so coach anderson did a terrific job throughout that period as well Mm -hmm. absolutely and i want to go back to something that you mentioned with you know it, it feels like by 11:30, 11:40, even on that Thursday in in the morning, it, it felt like we were just going to kind of proceed, not as usual, but proceed with this no fans thing. And then I think the Big Ten was first, where where the Big Ten canceled theirs, and then it just seemed like every minute it was another conference canceling. What were those like discussions like between you, you guys, and the Big East officials? You know, once the game tipped off, was there like a call, like all right, we're going to tip this off and then let's go? And then like what was what were the discussions like to to say? All right, this is going to end at halftime. What, like, how involved were you in those? Yeah, well, I mean, we were very involved, um, but obviously, we took the leadership from the Big East mm-hmm. Conference as far as making those calls. Um, you know, it was you know, I would describe what you said as a cascading effect. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. you know, it did show a lack of um, um, communication and a clear, all united front as far as college athletics and, and sports, you know, college sports that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, it really became the leadership of, of a conference and then the next conference and then <laughs> that conference. And then it was, you know, kind of, like I said, a cascading effect that it was clear by, you know, the time our game had tipped off that, 
the rest of the country was either getting news that we weren't getting, having just been on the, with the NSA two hours before, mm-hmm. or um, you know their local authorities who are looking at it differently. Now, as it turned out, New York City, within an hour of, of all of that, you know, uh, changed their um, restrictions as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know, it was just the time we were in. But you know, I, I think. Like I, like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm most proud of the leadership shown mm-hmm. and, you know, as our group and how it was handled. And at the end of the day, um, you know, it is sports and public safety and health is number one concern. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that's how it's gone for the last three weeks. We've been very focused on making sure our student athletes um, got home, all of them, 340 plus, yeah. mm-hmm. um, are in safe hands as can be uh, with loved ones, you know, literally around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a few that live still in Queens off campus that are, uh, you know, older. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's like somewhere around 330 plus wow. have all spread out around the country. So all but a handful. Mm-hmm. And, and, and even the ones that are still here have relatives nearby. Um, and we're already starting their career paths as far as their next steps of their career and, and all that. Um, but I'm, I'm very proud of all the team behind that, all of our coaches. Mm-hmm. You know, we really keep in constant communication with each other and with our student athletes and and that's really our number one focus mm-hmm. and when when the NCAA made that decision to just cancel all remaining winter and then spring sports obviously it's it's a huge it's a huge you know di- uh, disappointment for players did you have any any like direct uh, com- comments with with players you know contact with players I know you mentioned you talked to coach Anderson and, and you you saw the men's basketball team were there any like spring sport athletes or, or coaches that you that you had direct contact with in in those you know days after really all those dominoes fell um, I would say more indirect. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was fast moving. I mean, I was on campus. I mean, I, what we got our game canceled by one thirty, let's say, mm-hmm. and we had taken the train in, <laughs> so I got on the train back to um, Queens mm-hmm. and then um, drove into campus. And so there are still a number of student athletes and all that. So you know, it was kind of checking in on everybody. Um, you know, we had just come back from spring break, so we were on campus. Okay, um, and then um, and then I, and then that next Friday morning, um, spent a little time in the office, and we got it all clear by noon, ish. I would say on mm-hmm. that Friday, um, but um, so you know, really direct and indirect. I mean, like I said, I, I'm proud of the team yeah. around us, and and all had a very. Uh, clear mission and directive and that's to care for each other and care for our student athletes mm-hmm. and you know I'm, I'm proud of that and and that's that's really all you can do you're in a reactive mode you know us as parents and adults and you know there are their parents and loved ones and trust us to care for them and and that's the priority and so that's gone very well and um, you know we we've use technology and all those things of so zoom and webex and all that to you know have team meetings mm-hmm. and you know just trying to figure out how 
you know, the, first of all, the online learning has been terrific yeah. by St. John's mm-hmm. and that conversion. Um, you know, hearing good reports on how that's going in the quote classroom, <laughs> and you know, getting our our maybe our most um, busiest office right now is our academic support group yeah. headed up by Eric Reinecker and his staff have been just amazing and and folk, laser focused on helping the kids navigate every every class is different every professor is doing it you know their own way but helping them navigate that and um, you know I, I think probably like all of society that you know we're we being St. John's are going to be better um, after this is all through mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know probably more bonded and more together than ever before and um, that's that's how you have to get through these situations and New Yorkers have been through it before with things like September 11th mm-hmm. or Superstorm Sandy and Absolutely. when you get through it you're you're stronger and better for it and that's my focus on a day to day is you know how are how are we doing but then how are we going to look when we come through it and um, you know everybody's has that you know around us and so it's going to be difficult yeah. no getting around that and it's going to be different mm-hmm. but um, I believe as people we're going to be stronger and better for having gone through it no I agree and that's that's fascinating that you bring up just just you know in the immediate aftermath of all this trying to make sure that everyone gets home safely I didn't even really think of that you know that you have all these student athletes now that you know obviously all students are leaving but then your athletes have to get home safely as well under these uncertain circumstances i mean that that's a ton on your on your plate i mean was it was it overwhelming for you because you have all this other stuff that you're dealing with and then you have this uncertainty and now you're trying to kind of get everyone home was that overwhelming for you at all or no um, I'll just put it in perspective for you. What <laughs> yeah. we're doing is is just what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, overwhelming, and who I admire, and we all should, is the first responders, yeah, uh, essential true. staff, mm-hmm. and what they're going through to help us mm-hmm. get through this. So I'm not at all focused on if I'm overwhelmed or, honestly, if our staff is overwhelmed because we're not compared. And um, so you know, we're we're just doing what's natural. And and how would you care for each other? But mm-hmm. the people that that uh, you admire and want to build up and support are the ones that are our healthcare workers, mm-hmm. and first responders, and teachers, and all of that. I mean that that's that's the most important yeah. focus for for us. So we're we're doing fine. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> you know, like I said, you know, we're 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 like everybody else, just you know, figuring it out, coping, and communicating. I think that's the big thing. And, and um, you know, making sure everybody knows we're here for each other. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and that's a that's a fantastic point by you, and I agree. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, the men's basketball program now, and let's talk about really one year ago at this time, where St. John's lands on Mike Anderson after a coaching search that was certainly very public. You know, we all know what happened with uh, Bobby Hurley. We know what happened with Tim Kluse. We know what happened with Porter Moser. All these things, you know, being played out really in the media. You guys land on Mike Anderson. I think there wasn't really any criticism, but there was certainly a lot of questions. And even, you know, I'll admit, I, I certainly questioned it at the time, the fit. I think we've all seen in year one, it's been it's been almost a seamless fit. What's something that you noticed in Mike Anderson during that interview process that, that, that you know, made you want to hire him that was then reflected on the court or in the class or wherever in year one? What's like one thing that you noticed with Anderson? Sure. Um, well, I mean, 
first of all, I, I laughed a little bit while you were describing that we all know what happened <laughs> last year at this time. And I, I would I would venture to tell you that really nobody knows what happened <laughs> in those nine days. Um, and and so <laughs> let's not let's not think that everybody just Fair because point. names are in the media and all that yeah, stuff we, are, we, are accurate. Exactly. But anyway, not, that's not your focus. I'm just I was just laughing. No, you're right. <laughs> um, you know, for Coach Anderson, you know, obviously he came highly recommended to me by people that I trusted and have been around mm-hmm. virtually all my professional life. And so there was an immediate attraction knowing what I needed, what we needed um, for here at St. John's. Mm-hmm. And I felt like we had to build a program infrastructure of somebody that's done it in the past, knows how to build a championship program, mm-hmm. has ultimate care for the kids, is a teacher and a builder. And so obviously I knew of Coach Anderson. And then as soon as we started talking on the phone, we literally were on the phone for about five hours wow. and um, the first day. And so it was a quick process, mm-hmm. but I, I felt very confident in our conversation that I had found the match. And, you know, and then as he was introduced to the people of our decision makers, it was very clear that they felt the same, that it was a, a great match for St. John's. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, to me, we could not have had a better first year. Yeah. And obviously you want to win every game and you never want to lose a game and you don't want to have any turnovers and all of those you know, <laughs> silly things, but that's not sports and that's not the reality. And so it was really about building a culture, building an infrastructure mm-hmm. and, and having a vision um, that we share, a shared vision of having a championship program mm-hmm. at St. John's. And I feel 1000% confident that we are on that path. Um, the funny thing is that just you, you bring up the question just yesterday, Coach and I were doing our annual end of year review and just talking <laughs> through a lot of things for about two and a half hours on mm-hmm. on video conference, and um, and we were reflecting back on a year ago and here, and I, I basically told him exactly what I just said to you that I, I cannot imagine a better year. Uh, for St. John's and for the development of our student athletes and our and what they've done in on the court, in the classroom, in the community, and so I'm I'm extremely thrilled with with the future and the present of St. John's basketball. Mm-hmm, absolutely, and it was like you mentioned, it was a fantastic year. I mean, you know, everyone's gonna like you said, you're gonna say you want to win every game and everything like that, but realistically, I think we definitely ex- exceeded expectations this season for you personally. Do you have a, a favorite moment of this season, you know, beating Creighton, beating Arizona, beating West Virginia? Do you have a favorite win or a favorite moment uh, of this particular season? Wow. Now I have to think about that. Uh, <laughs> Put you on the spot there. There was, there was a lot of uh, cool moments. Um, yeah, that's the one thing about how this last three weeks have gone is you don't get that time to really Reflect. think about the year and celebrate and, and all that. And not just men's basketball, but all of our yeah. sports. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I would I guess when you ask that quickly, I would say that I reflect back on the locker rooms after games. Mm-hmm. And I love I love watching kids, not, not being in the middle of it, but watching and standing in the corner <laughs> and just seeing their joy um, and of accomplishment. Mm-hmm. And so I think of that Arizona game in the locker room and and I think of the first win, you know, for Coach Anderson at, in Karnaseka. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I, I, I don't know if I have any specific things. Obviously, <laughs> overall, I just know we were playing our best basketball of the year at the end, yeah. which is how Coach Anderson described, um, you know, to everybody how it typically goes for his teams. And especially considering all the newness of this year, it all came to fruition. Mm-hmm. And and that was, to me, that's the satisfying and gratifying part is that's what you want with any team any year. And it's what you would want for next year as well is that you're playing your best at the end mm-hmm. and if you're playing at your best at the end doesn't mean you win a championship every time and, and rarely does do you win a championship but yeah. it means that you've gotten the most out of your your um, team and they've given, your, given you their coaches the best they can give and so for me that's kind of the takeaway for this year and and why I'm excited um, for the for the future yeah no absolutely and, and let's let's look forward now to next year but let's look more on the on the schedule side you know we had seen really the the reports I think Zach had it out there that you know you guys were looking into playing more games at Carneseca Arena maybe a few less at Madison Square Garden we, we saw what Carneseca Arena can be like I was at that crane game I mean that was incredible the the, the roof came off the place um what, is that kind of the thinking behind that I mean I, we kind of know Madison Square Garden maybe isn't as big of a home court advantage so what's what's the thinking behind playing more games at Karnasek Arena? Well, I, I think the question, the answer to your question now is a little two-pronged. Mm-hmm. Um, one is, you're right, we were, we were kind of recalibrating that home court advantage and where we are as a program and where our fan base is in supporting going to an 18,000-seat arena. Mm-hmm. As, as compared to coming, you know, to staying in Queens. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Madison Square Garden is extremely important for our program, for the brand, for, you know, the Big East. And so we would never change that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, where we are, it was very clear that um, we were not at a stage of being able to, you know, draw 15,000 plus every night. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's when it becomes that advantage. It doesn't, any game in the the garden's exciting, so I felt mm-hmm. like all of our games were exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a recalibration. Now, with the new realities of where we are as a society, you know, we have to carefully evaluate what that means as far as the comfort level of people being in a big crowd. True. I mean, things like that that we're, you know, as we're planning next year and season tickets and and all of that stuff. I mean, we have to be very cautious that you know the reality is we're in new york um we're in an arena in a society that has been isolated Mm -hmm. honestly Mm -hmm. for now three weeks and certainly we're headed towards many more weeks and so are you and i are families going to feel like hey business as usual i'm going to go and sit next to a person and high five and scream and all that stuff uh, I would venture to say that may not be yeah. our reaction um, in November. As much as we're all going to be excited for that, we have to we have to really think that through mm-hmm. and what that means. And and so there is a bigger picture um, that's you know the unknown right now. And so I think given the recalibration, given given where we are right now, I think we have to look that we'll have probably a lot less games than previously thought um again doesn't take away the importance of madison square garden Mm -hmm. um, at all i mean i love that place i love the people there they support st john's Mm -hmm. um but this 
coming year could be a very will be a very unique one that could be it will be a very unique one mm-hmm. and so we have to be very conscious of that for safety and health and um so we'll we'll you know play with that by ear yeah. but just mm-hmm. know that that's a part of how we're looking at things here standing here in april looking at things trying to figure it out for november yeah absolutely and it, it does kind of feel like every all of those kind of things almost get put on hold almost waiting waiting to see what's going to happen but yeah well we can't put it on hold <laughs> yeah, yeah. Part and strategies and all that but, uh-huh. as but much as you right. can I mean we're, we, no one's going to have the answers yeah uh-huh. but it, we'll has, there, it has there been any thought to playing you know a team like Villanova or Georgetown or UConn at, at Carneseca Arena is that something that you guys have even thought about or is that completely off the table because I mean as a fan I, that would be incredible to see but I know those games obviously are ones where you can sell those 15, 18,000 seats. Has there been any yeah. thought at all to, to that, those kind of things? Um, everything is on the table. Okay. I mean, they're, they're, you know, we're just in a very, very unique um, time in our country and in this city in particular. Mm-hmm. And so you just, you cannot go with any assumptions. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so it doesn't mean that we're going to change, but it means that we have to be prepared you know, at some point to, um, hopefully at some point soon to be able to pull the switch and say, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Now, of course the schedule, you know, as far as big East games on that stuff, isn't until August. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, or we hope it's in August <laughs> that we'll start knowing those things. Um, and so, you know, it, a, lot, a lot's to be determined. Um, but I, your question is nothing's off the table. Okay. That the reality of anybody in college sports right now, if you look around, I mean, it's it's not the same and it's not going to be the same yeah and you know fortunately we're you know thanks to our leadership in the big east and our presidents in the big east that you know we're gonna get through this rough patch with the ncaa uh, not being able to fulfill you know our shares of you know by far the biggest part of uh, the NCA's uh, reimbursement, um, if you will, or mm-hmm. disbursement, that's a better word, not reimbursement, <laughs> disbursement of, of funds to the NCA tournament is, you know, I think at 37% will take out 63% of your revenue expectation of every school in the country. True. That's a, a that's a big blow here yeah. in March and April trying to figure that out. You know, um, so we're we're all reeling, we're all caring for each other, but the just like all of society, the business side of this thing is is not going to be pretty on the backside. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And but that's not our number one priority. But it's yeah. something we're ignoring either. And mm-hmm. so. Um, you know, it's just what it is. Um, I, I think like anybody else, I'm a sports fan and I'm excited for the day I get to go to a sporting event and watch it on TV and all that. Uh, but, um, you know, we're, we're not there yet. No, absolutely not. And, and, you know, I, I think we'll, we'll, we'll transition from the schedule now. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, any planned upgrades that you guys had for, for some facilities on campus. Uh, Karnaseka Arena, obviously, you know, it seems like fans always have, have things that they want upgraded there. Um, and then obviously the other the other buildings on campus. Is, is there anything planned right now for the summer or, or you know, for the early fall in terms of Karnaseka Arena? Is there anything that, that's on the table right now? Well, uh, I'll be honest with you. I mean, this is a, it, it's... 
this is it, it almost feels like everybody needs to and i guess we're using this term in the state of new york is where where everything's on a pause yeah I mean, our, our our campus is closed mm-hmm. our, our campus is you know being evaluated for how it could help in emergency situations by sure. the government mm-hmm. uh, just like every campus in, yeah you know our areas and so you know for us to expect a summer of, of uh, facility improvements or spending capital mm-hmm. on that um you know like i just just described i mean us and every big school is facing over a million dollar loss in revenue um, and so you know it's just not business as usual and so as much as yes we can recognize that we have deficiencies that uh-huh. we do mm-hmm. um you know this is not gonna i'm not anticipating this is the summer of change no. um, now <laughs> does that mean we are going to do nothing and just say we're done and we'll see you in october that's not how we're treating it either but um th- this isn't going to be a year that you're going to walk into Kernisek and say wow they spent 10 million dollars and made it all fancy and nice and and they put new this and new that that's just you know that's not going to happen it's not going to happen anywhere i mean you look around the country and the richest of the power five schools have all put on hold yeah um, projects they are you know in some cases furloughing people um it, it's it's uh, again, I can't say it enough, and I guess I keep repeating myself. It's not business as usual. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, um, you know, as far as kind of where we're looking at is there are still opportunities um, with some of the funds that we do have to be able to try to make impactful and meaningful upgrades. Um, and, you know, we've done that for the year and a half I've been here throughout the department. And, you know, we do have a very comprehensive excuse me, comprehensive and strategic plan for facility upgrades across the board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a strategic plan. You know, they're in front of the president and with the administration. And then, you know, then the rug got pulled out from all of us. And <laughs> yeah. so it's not an appropriate time to start, you know, saying how can we build this and raise money for that. Um, that's just, that's not where we are. And mm-hmm. we're very conscious about that. But mm-hmm. but we'll, we'll, we'll come up with some things. And, you know, just being together is going to be special too. Mm-hmm. No, and it, you're absolutely right. It does really put it into perspective, you know, when you when you're, you know, when I'm asking questions about, you know, or oh, you guys going to be up the upgrading Cornuseca this summer, and then you realize, well, you know, there there's a lot more going on in the world right now than upgrades yeah. to facilities. So it really it really yeah. does put put it in perspective, you know. Yeah, no, that's right, and 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 that's not not necessarily a bad thing, and certainly right now where we are, um, you know, like I said, we're we're focused on getting to those days, and then it'll be fun to talk about all that again. Yes, yeah. you know. Um, we're not we're not there and we're probably not close to being there right now mm-hmm. no absolutely well Mike you've been so so gracious with your time I do have one comment for you though before yeah, I let you sure. go I, I yeah. opened up on Twitter for some fans that they wanted to ask some questions we, we hit okay. on some of them throughout but we can, okay we can do as many as you want uh, but the, well the one main one that I want to ask is is someone someone noted they said tell him that he needs to get rid of the blue uniforms for next season that, that <laughs> listen listen I, I love the Nike uniforms the Nike uniforms are beautiful the white ones are beautiful the the red ones are great the blue ones though i do not like them very much i i I think i speak for the fan base i would root for this team if they're wearing you know yellow or purple i'd root for them wearing any color i get you I don't think that the I, fan base loves the blue uniforms. I, I hear you. You know what's funny is that if you look around the Big East now with 11 schools starting on July, yeah. 
10 of the 11 wear blue. Uh, <laughs> we're the one that doesn't. And, and so, you know, it is our secondary color. I do like the navy. I think it's it's very, very dark, almost black. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so I like the blue as a, as a secondary color. There's no question we're a red school. We're going to proudly be a red school. Um, you know, I think as you look at alternate jerseys and stuff, obviously that was one um, idea. It's not a bad one, but I think it's also the one that we don't use that um, old script St. John's. Am I correct? And that's the new the yeah. blue one has the new logo yes, on it. You are correct. Yes. Um, and so I, I think I might attribute it to that a little bit. Yeah. Um, that we, we need to stick to that that script St. John's um, font. Um, I, I'm just being funny. I, I, I love <laughs> Nike obviously as well. Yep. You know they're going to be. We were we were transitioning quickly this year. Yeah. Um, so I know there's a lot of cool plans ahead. Uh-huh. Again, you know I haven't. You know, typically this time of year after a season, in fact, I'd be at the Final Four right now with yeah. our friends from Nike and and talking about some ideas and fun stuff for next year. And uh, they were terrific this first year all together as a department and helping all of our our sports. Um, but um, haven't really talked much specifics for next year. Um, so. But I hear you about the blue. Uh, <laughs> well, we're a red school. You can assure everybody we're a red school. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'll say this. Listen, if, if the biggest complaint from the fan base about you is the uniforms, I think you're doing a pretty good job right now. You know? Yeah. No, that's, that's fair. I mean, I... Um, Gosh, when we wore black at Duke, you, you would think we uh, <laughs> changed the entire university structure if um, they wore black and lost the game. Yes, and um, so that's part of the fun. That's that's what sports is about. Is you know we're all fans, and fans are short for fanatics. <laughs> and I think the definition of that is you have a little crazy in you. And um, I'm good with that. Um, I'm a fan of sports as well, and a fan obviously of St. John's, and so that's part of the fun part. You know. Sometimes the, the the kids, the students, uh, student athletes, they they like something you know that different than what the fans like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and how maybe long the shorts are. That's always a fun <laughs> comment. You know, back and forth. Yeah. Or, or um, you know how tight the jerseys are, or you know which bench we sit on, or <laughs> all of that kind of stuff. And you know, like I said, I I enjoy that part of it too. So. I don't mind answering those questions. <laughs> Absolutely, Mike. Thank you so much for doing this, man. I, I That's really. All you got only one question. Yeah, well, you know, the you hit. They, it was a lot of questions about the schedule, and I know you're not going to okay. be able to answer those. You know, so. Okay. So, so I, I, well, I could ask. Is there anything lined up for next season on the schedule yet, or no? Um, you know, most of our, you know, because we're going to twenty mm-hmm. Big East games. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, UConn coming into the league is going to be a big change. Um, home and away with that. And then we have the Gavit game for the Big Ten at home. Okay. Um, and we'll determine that in November. It's a November game, I, I should say, and we'll determine if that's going to be, you know, in MSG or in Carnesecca. Okay. And then, um, and then we're on the road at Texas Tech for the um, Big Big East Big Twelve Challenge mm-hmm. in December. Um, we're playing in the preseason NIT, which will be in the Barclays Center. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got what is it, Arizona, Cincinnati. 
Cincinnati and Texas Tech in that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, by the time you start adding up all those games, I've been doing scheduling for um, 20 plus years and I'm actually not doing it here, which has been fantastic. (laughs) Um, As far as, I mean, I know what's going on and we just met again yesterday over it, so I'm up to speed, but um, the day-to-day, they're doing a terrific job inside the department. Will, Chris, TJ, uh, Coach Anderson, and being very strategic and smart about making sure our potential net ranking is going to be good. Um, and so, well, like I said, there's no, I have no big announcements, but I guess where I was going with this is the days of the high profile home and home series and all those things are kind of by the wayside by the yeah. time you have all of these conference games. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, we'll have a, a full slate of, of challenging games in Karnasek in the preseason. Um, like I said, we may or may not have that uh, Big Ten game in MSG, but it'll be at home either way, which will be great. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, it'll, it'll be a challenging schedule. At the end of the day, if you win in the Big East, you're going to be in the NCAA yeah. tournament. And that's, that's exactly what you're setting up for every year is being your best in the Big East. And, you know, that's, and if you do that, you have a 500 record or close to it, you're going to be in the NSA tournament. And that's, that's the goal. That's mm-hmm. the first goal anyway. And what, one more thing about the schedule. Sure. I mean, there, there is a program in New Rochelle that made a pretty big, uh, big hiring at Iona a couple weeks ago. Any, any, yeah. any thought of playing them maybe and, and telling them who, who still the big brother is in this area? Is there any, is there any thought of that or no? <laughs> Uh, I don't. I don't think it's going to be any different. Obviously, Iona's had a, a whole heck of a lot of success with uh, Coach Kloos in the previous, yeah. and um, mm-hmm. they've got a, a great program, a strong program, um, and so there's no um, big brother, little brother. <laughs> it, you know, we'll, we'll be happy for their success, like all of our area schools. Hofstra's obviously had great success. Yeah. And was headed towards the NSA tournament this year. Um, so no, nothing different. All those lines okay okay well that, that's all i got for the schedule and everything mike okay. thank you thank you Fair so enough. much thank you all so right, much Troy. for all this appreciate, um appreciate all your support and and everybody please stay healthy and safe and and take care of each other and you know be uh, checking on each other and, and we'll get all through this together absolutely and same to you man thank you so much for doing this again and, and hopefully we'll talk soon you know hopefully in person all right, soon sure. <laughs> all right sounds good i look forward to it all right have take a care. good one all right bye Thank you once again to St. John's Athletic Director, Mr. Mike Craig there, for talking a little St. John's basketball, talking a little St. John's as a whole. I think the the fan base, and I speak for the whole fan base, when I say, you know, this guy has, has certainly been out there and been open and been willing to chat about really anything that you want regarding not only the men's basketball program, but St. John's athletics as a whole. And I think the fan base really appreciates that. I think they really appreciate someone who feels like they are listening to their questions, you know, feels like they are hearing their concerns. And I think that fans really, really appreciate that they have someone out there who's willing to chat, not only on Twitter, but doing stuff like this, you know, being open when he's going to these games and just being someone who's there for the fan base, you know, who the fan base feels like they can see really working in, in real time. I think we all really appreciate that. And I, of course, appreciate uh, Mr. Craig for coming on there. We do, however, though, have some news to talk about from the past week or so, a little over a week now. Uh, we'll start with, with St. John's and some good news landing a transfer on Friday afternoon. From George Washington, they get a graduate transfer forward. 
6'8", 248, Arnaldo Toro. Um, you know, it doesn't seem, you know, like he's gonna his stats are gonna jump off the page. Six and a half points per game, seven rebounds per game, though, and only only about 18 minutes. And and listen, St. John's needs size. I think that was really the number one thing that we went into this offseason knowing that they needed a big guy. You know, they needed another front court player. You know, you look at next season, Josh Roberts, Marcellus Erlington. Obviously, they have a couple of guys coming in as well. You know, if you want to count Champagny as well in that front court. There are front court players, but they definitely needed more depth there. You know, they needed someone else, especially losing two guys in Damian Sears and Ian Steer. Neither one of them were really big contributors, but they were certainly depth pieces. And I think if St. John's could find someone who could be maybe a step above Sears and Steer in terms of their level of contributions for next season, we'd be ecstatic. And this guy, you know, he does not seem like he's going to be a game changer, but I don't think that's what St. John's is going for. You know, St. John's is not looking to land this big, you know, impact graduate transfer who's going to come in next season, score 15 points a game, you know, lead the team in rebounding and, and, and you know, take them to the next level. That's not really what we were looking for here. If they found someone like that, great. But there wasn't really, you know, that wasn't really the thought process going in. I think the thought process going in was let's try to get someone who could be a nice depth piece, someone who can play 15 minutes a game, 20 minutes a game, get a couple of rebounds, help us out down low, help us out on the boards. And I think that this guy fits that bill. You know, like we said, he's only 6'8", but he's 248. And, he, and then the, the rebound numbers speak for themselves. You know, seven rebounds in, in just over 18 minutes a game for George Washington last season. Doesn't seem like he played a ton for them, but the numbers were, were pretty good. And, you know, like I said, it, it's, it's not about getting this impact transfer that's going to come out and, and totally change games for you. It's someone who's just going to help you out. Someone who's going to add a piece of depth. You know, I saw Zach Braziller and I saw a couple of people comparing this, you know, hopefully to what Nick Rutherford was for this team. You know, a, a graduate transfer guy played in a smaller conference. Remember, Rutherford came from, um, what was it, Monmouth, I believe? Smaller conference, you know, looking to prove himself on the Big East level. And, you know, Nick Rutherford was not this huge, you know, piece for St. John's this season. You know, I, he was, but in terms of his, of his stats and his scoring and his, and his abilities, you know, certainly was not the focal point for St. John's this season, but he turned out to be a really, really important piece for the Red Storm. You know, he turned out to really be a, a someone who impacted games most of the time positively for the Red Storm, a depth piece in the backcourt. Hopefully this guy Toro can be that, you know, can be that Nick Rutherford in the frontcourt for the Red Storm this season for a team that, you know, now looking at it, looks like they've got a shot to, to make some to some waves in the Big East. Obviously, we're so far away from that right now, but, but you know, that's certainly in the back of our minds. And that, a lot of that is banking on LJ Figueroa, as I'll transition to that now. Figueroa put his name in the NBA draft last weekend. By all intents and purposes, does not sound like he's going to the draft. Uh, it sounds like almost certainly, excuse me, he will be headed to back to St. John's, back to Queens, you would assume. You know, obviously there is still some doubt in there. You know, I'd say it's like 80-20 right now that he's not back. But, but you know, in terms of the NBA draft and St. John's, it, it certainly seems like Figueroa would be back. I can't see him going pro. I can't see him, you know, entering his name, staying in the draft when there's really no chance of him getting drafted. I think this could be very similar to what we saw with, uh, with Shimori Pons. Uh, two years ago, where Pons entered his name in the draft, got the feedback that he wanted, and then came back to school. 
You know, because even in a weak draft class that we have this season, compared to last season especially, if Shamori Pons wasn't getting drafted last season, I just, I don't see any way that LJ Figueroa, no disrespect to LJ, I don't see any way that he gets drafted this season. And I think it would really behoove LJ to come back this season, have a good season. You know, he's got a, a true point guard now in Posh Alexander. You know, work this season with a real point guard where you're not going to be the focal point. You know, we, we talked about all season long how, how, LJ, how LJ was the focal point on offense, and he kind of struggled with that at times. You know, where he had a lot of weight on his shoulders to carry this, this season for the Red Storm, especially with Mustafa Heron missing so much time. He won't really have that next year. You know, he'll have some help next year, you would think, with the guys coming in. And hopefully with the development or the continued development of Greg Williams, Julian Champagny, Marcellus Erlington, you know, hopefully LJ Figueroa, while still being option number one, has a whole lot more help next season if he does come back. And I think Mike Anderson, you know, I saw some uh, some criticism of that article that was written about it. But if you listen to the interview that Anderson did on WFAN, he did essentially say Figueroa is coming back. I mean, he, he did kind of say that. So, you know, he, he said, you know, basically it seems like this is going to be, you know, Figueroa getting some feedback on what he needs to improve to then get drafted next season. So we hope LJ's back. Obviously, Figueroa coming back, I think, turns this into not a team that's going to, you know, compete at the top. You know, I think next year, you know, we're, we're still six, seven months out. Next year, the Big East is going to be Villanova. It's going to be Creighton 1-2. But then, you know, that that race for really three through like seven is wide open right now, in my opinion. So, you know, you'll, you'll see. But, uh, you know, I think that St. John certainly has a chance to to make some waves in the Big East next season if they get Figueroa back. And it would be nice for once to to go in and, you know, be, you know, mid-April or early May and the roster is just set for next season. There's no question marks next season going in. We have a full roster uh, for next season. So... That's that's my thoughts on those two things, and I I don't think Figueroa is going. I think I think it's 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 like I said about eighty twenty. I think that he comes back to school, and uh, and I think that that you know with with Figueroa in tow, with the guys who have made waves this season, with the four guys coming in, you know, at Posh Alexander, Wusu, Moore, and uh, and Vince Cole, with those guys coming in. I think St. John's has a really, really nice roster for Mike Anderson in year two now of the Mike Anderson era, where I think that we're already kind of a little bit ahead of schedule in terms of Anderson. You know, we were going to make the NIT this season, so I think it's safe to say we were a little bit above ahead of schedule uh, this season. You know, next season, can it be an NCAA tournament appearance? Obviously, we are so far away from that. We're so far away from even thinking about that right now. But, um, you know, that, that I think could be the goal going in if if Figaro comes back and that's the roster that we have but you have to see how the rest of the biggie shakes up and everything like that but yeah that should end our show for today thank you all for listening thank you again to st john's athletic director mike craig for coming on and yeah we'll we'll, we'll try to do as many of these as we can you know I, i've been in contact with st john's about how hopefully getting some uh some players and coaches on in the offseason so hopefully that's something you know i'll be at home so i'll have all the time in the world in my on in, on uh, my hands to do some shows so hopefully we can do that hopefully we can put out a good amount of, of content for you guys throughout however long this uh this quarantine thing lasts so hope everyone's staying safe hope everyone is staying healthy out there and as always let's go johnny's